We're a pioneer church based in Loughborough in the UK. Our mission is to make disciples to establish heaven on earth. Really good to be with you. Uh, it is genuinely an honour to, to speak with you today. Um, uh, I'm married to Ness. She's the team leader of Open Heaven. Uh, we, uh, we remember being in here. We, I was just reminiscing over that plaque in the corner where Kaylee uh, kind of hijacked it and renamed it after Kaylee Hall uh, back in 1995. That's how long we've been here. Uh, building church and uh, I guess praying for this campus. Lots of seeds have been sown both in the campus and in the town and I tell you what there's a lot in there now and at some point a generation's going to come along and they're going to begin to sprout into life in a new way and uh, I don't know the timing on that but who knows what could happen this year as we pray and we walk the land and we live out the kingdom uh, what could happen. Uh, and also, I've got an 18-year-old, and I, I'm particularly got a soft spot for this year's freshers because I dropped my 18-year-old off at Manchester Uni uh, two weeks ago uh, in the middle of Fallowfield. And it was, um, yeah, still getting over it, I think. <laughs> She's having a great time. Uh, we are starting a new series as a church Today, uh, we are looking at the one another's in Scripture. And I'm, well, I'm excited by it, but I'm also kind of a little bit uh, nervous because when we look at the commands of Jesus, there's always a challenge, isn't there? It's not straightforward. I don't know about you, but, but I don't find reading this book particularly straightforward. I, I find it challenging. Um, if you've got your Bibles with you or you're on your phones, we're going to be hanging around John 13, 14. That's the passage I'm going to be bouncing off as we uh, look at things today. Um, and we're looking at the one another's because I think there's work to be done in the church as to how we live out some of the kingdom values that God has for us. And we're starting that with love one another today. What does it mean to love one another? And the love one another really is a sum total of all the other one another. So over the coming weeks, I guess we're going to explore in a deeper way what it means to love one another uh, by looking at bearing with one another and forgiving one another and serving one another and honoring one another. They're all expressions of how we love one another. So I hope you're up for that. Um, this is what Jesus says in John 13. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. That's quite a claim. But because of the person who's making it, we have to take it very, very seriously that there's huge impact to what happens when we love one another in the way that Jesus is talking about here. And uh, this, this phrase of love one another, it's mentioned 16 times in the New Testament alone. Uh, so it, it's, it's repeated by different letter writers and by Jesus himself a number of times. And then we find in John 15, and the great thing about that is um, Jesus says that just after he's been washing his disciples' feet, you know, it's the most remarkable bit of teaching. It's like he's lived it and then he's teaching it. And then you get deeper into the heart of God in John 15. And I love this part of scripture. 
Uh, we, we could actually camp here for the next few years. Uh, it's going to take us a lifetime to really learn how to outwork it. But John 15, verse 12, My command is this, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down their life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. And I think he emphasized it so much because he also knows our human frailty and our human condition. And he knows how much we need God's help to actually outwork this simple command of three words. It's hard work loving each other. Loving each other to the degree that God is asking us to. It's fine when things are going fine and, and, and we like what we see. But when we don't like what we see in our friends, it's hard work. When we don't like what we see in our enemies, it's even harder work. But God still says, love each other. Love your friends, love your enemies, love everybody in between. And then all kinds of crazy things will happen. So the first part of this I want to talk about, when we love like this, we're going to be challenged and changed. We're going to be challenged and changed. And we're going to be challenged and changed in three main areas. The first is self. This has a real conflict with our self-interest. Doesn't it? It's often on ourselves that get in the way of loving people deeply. What might that be? Pride, independence, selfishness, self-absorption, self-pity, self-righteousness, self-service. Loving one another is hard. It's dying to self. It's dying to all those things that kind of rise up in us when we want to justify ourselves, when we want to be right we want to be recognized and noticed. But God gives us a way. When we, when we go God's way, there's a way of healing and reconciliation and repentance and forgiveness. But we've got to get self out the way. You see, our reasons for not loving one another then enter quite dangerous territory. Bad things happen when we stop loving one another. Things diminish in us, in our humanity. We become a little less human when we stop loving as God intended because we're not living out his image. And uh, when, we, when we don't love each other, we actually give the enemy a legal right in our lives that causes blockages and strongholds and fears and isolation. And we all have those thoughts, don't we? No one quite understands me. No one quite gets me. And the reason is, no one is quite like you, and you're not alone in that. The good news is, God does get you, and he's asking you to get over some of those thoughts that would, would nullify you or cause some sort of imposter syndrome or whatever it might be, because he has such great plans. 
And, and I guess I, I'm going to stick to strict script, but I am quite tempted to just prophesy over this generation. I see so much potential. Uh, I don't think COVID has got in the way whatsoever of the plans and purposes that God has for you. In fact, what I see is happening is he's put some things in you. He's deposited some kingdom dreams and visions in you, some of which are very, very small like seeds, but some of them are beginning to sprout. I want to do things differently. I see a different way forward, and I see God incubating more and more dreams and visions over the coming years in this generation. That what uh, has feel, felt like a loss and a robbing will actually be restored to you and you will find yourselves, as you give yourself to God, you give yourself to his way, um, fulfilled and energized by what lies ahead. There are good things ahead when we trust in God. <clears throat> but when we don't, there's some tricky things. I've been rereading the final quest. I think I read this soon after I was a student and graduated. And, and it's a pretty brutal start. It's a vision. It's a, it, God has given this guy a vision uh, of really what happens when the church stops loving each other. And it's almost like the enemy's strategy. So the enemy has a strategy to isolate you, uh, to get you stuck in where you are, uh, create strongholds and blockages. But God has an, a, a strategy for freedom. It was for Christ. It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. So there's a, there's a God-given strategy and there's an enemy strategy. This is, a God -give, this is the enemy strategy. This is the vision he saw. I want to read it out. It's not particularly nice. Um, and, you know, forgive me. Um, the demonic army was so large that it stretched as far as I could see. It was separated into divisions, with each carrying a different banner. The foremost divisions marched under the banners of pride, self-righteousness, respectability, selfish ambition, unrighteous judgment, and jealousy. There were many more of these evil divisions beyond my scope of vision, but those in the vanguard of this terrible horde from hell seemed to be the most powerful. The leader of this army was the accuser of the brethren himself. The weapons that this horde carried were also named. The swords were named intimidation. The spears were named treachery. The arrows were named accusation, gossip, slander, fault-finding. Scouts and smaller companies of demons such, had such names as rejection, bitterness, impatience, unforgiveness, and lust were sent in advance of this army to prepare for the main attack. These smaller companies and scouts were much fewer in number, but they were no less powerful than some of the larger divisions. The army was moving and marching specifically against the church, but it was attacking everyone it could. I knew that I was seeking to preempt a, a coming move of God, which was destined to sweep masses of people into the church. The primary strategy of this army was to cause division on every possible level of relationship. Churches with each other, congregations and their pastors, husbands and wives, children and parents, and even children with each other. The scouts that were sent to locate the openings in churches, families, and individuals were rejection, bitterness, and lust, etc. The most shocking part of the vision was that this horde was not riding on horses, but primarily on Christians. Christians who had forgotten this command of Jesus to love each other. There's a lot at stake. There's a lot at stake with loving each other. 
So self is something we need to look out for and notice. When are these things coming into our lives? When are we tempted in those areas? The other thing that will challenge and change us is our smallness. Love always stretches us into a bigger place. For God so loved the world. There's not a limit to his love. That's the great news. It stretches us out of these small places, these petty places, and into a bigger place. Loving most often happens at the edges of our comfort zones. I don't know if you've noticed that. It's kind of where our comfort meets our discomfort. It's easy to love in our comfort zone. It's on the edge where things begin to happen, maybe where the magic happens. Three things have challenged my smallness this week. Um, I don't know quite how it happens like this. You know, I've actually been quite burdened by this, this message and this talk, but three things came across my path that I couldn't ignore. The first was I was reading Bonhoeffer. I don't know if you've ever read Bonhoeffer. Uh, maybe one day. Bonhoeffer was a German pastor and theologian, and he was alive just before the Second World War. And he wrote this little booklet just before that World War on life together, life in community. And really it was about the church living at its best. He had a vision for community that conflicted with the regime at the time, and he was going to stand for it and potentially even die for that vision, that reality. He says, you know, the church isn't about getting your needs met. It's about becoming the person that God's called you to be. And Bonhoeffer wrote this and then was soon arrested just before the Second World War. Before the war ended, he was then killed by the Nazis because they hated him and his vision. That challenges my smallness uh, when someone's prepared to live and die for their convictions the other thing that challenged me was um, we work very closely with a charity called Backer uh, as Open Heaven that looks after underage minors who have come from other countries, fled their countries because of either persecution or war or, or danger, and they end up here, and I don't know how they get here. They get here on boats. They get here in the back of lorries, under lorries. But one way or another, they have the resilience and the, uh, the guts to leave their old life and, and, and at the age of 14, 15, 16, come over here with absolutely nothing. And they're the most remarkable group of young people. It's the most remarkable char uh, charity. And being with them last Friday night, listening to them, being celebrated, learning English, um, you know, utterly, coming here utterly alone, completely cut off from their families, it challenges my smallness. It challenges my, uh, my love for one another. The things that might get in the way are no longer relevant in the, in the light of what these young people are, have fought for and gone through. It's the most amazing thing. And then the third thing was, was I got a letter from a couple who were, or are in a very, very dangerous part of the world. Uh, and uh, I read it. It's four pages long, and I'm, I'd, love, I'd love to get it in, uh, out into the church because, again, it challenged my smallness. They've chosen to stay in a part of the world that is incredibly dangerous. And if I was to name the country, you'd be like, what on earth are they doing there? Well, the reason they're there is because they feel God's asked them to stay there. And they're named targets by the regime there. But God's asked them to stay because of their love for one another. They challenge my smallness. They challenge my smallness. Ah. Oh.
One more challenge. When we love each other, it also challenges our sacrifice. Loving one another demands sacrifice. But Christian duty alone, without love, is, is dangerous as well. It often results in resentment and bitterness. You know, the cross is seen as the ultimate sacrifice. But that isn't an accurate description. It was and forever will be the ultimate demonstration of sacrificial love. That's what took Jesus to the cross. Love is the fuel for sacrifice. When we love one another, there's going to be a cost. Um, Again, uh, there's a family in church who has fostered a young child. And the the loving sacrifice that has gone on over the last two years uh, is, is incredible. Love fuels sacrifice. And I wonder, as we think about this command of loving one another where we've noticed it may have been costly for us in our lives. Where can we think back to where we've gone, you know what, that cost me then to love that place or that person or in that situation. It's a good thing to think about. Okay. So loving challenges self, it challenges our smallness, it challenges our sacrifice. But loving one another also causes amazing things to happen. Three things that we grow in. The first thing that we grow in is freedom. Our freedom grows as we love. It it leads us into greater freedom for ourselves and for others. You know, when we love others, when we focus on something outside ourselves, we become self-forgetful. I don't know if you've noticed this. When you're engrossed in a conversation with someone else or a meal or a party or a good time or even watching a film, we, we might have got into that situation feeling a little low, feeling a little sorry for ourselves, but we've forgotten about that because we've focused on something outside ourselves. And this is a little secret for our loving, that if we can get over ourselves by loving others in a deeper way. When we focus on them, it not only blesses them, but it's also good for us. It lifts our eyes off ourselves and onto them. It's almost like God designed it. <laughs> it's almost like he knew that when we love people, actually it's good for us. It frees us from some of the things that we're carrying and we live under. And then in terms of the kingdom, we know the kingdom's close at hand. You know, we know it's not a matter of eating and drinking. But Paul says in Romans 14, but it is of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. When we get this right, we get to feel good about ourselves. We get to feel good about life. There's a, there's a torrent of righteousness, right relationships, peace, and joy that floods our life. The maker's instructions work. His way of life works. When Jesus says, follow me, my yoke is easy, my burden is light, he means it. But there's an exchange that needs to go on. When we love, our faith grows. It releases faith, and it's an act of faith. Jesus said, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. When I've reflected on the times of greatest growth in open heaven over the years, over its 25-year history and in fusion, I think this is something that we've got better at. 
often we've seen a, a flurry of people come into the church and, and what they've been attracted to is how the Christians have been treating each other and them. What is it that you've got? What is it that you carry? I want some of that. I've seen something in you, and I need it. You're a non-anxious presence. You, 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 you offer kind words. You're encouraging. When I'm around you, uh, you know, I just feel better about myself. When I see you guys in action, you seem like there's joy. It's not just circumstances that make you happy. What is that? This is the power of community. This is what Jesus is talking about right here. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples. There's a power to our love and how we love. It's not for the faint-hearted. I think we've established that. It's pretty tough going. But there's a power to it. You know, uh, some of the early training that we used to do. In fact, you could do this in your small group this week. This is a great thing to do as you start off building community with each other. Uh, you, having a, a bit of paper on it and uh, on the left-hand side, writing down the things that build community. What are, what are the things that we have that build community? What are, the, what are our, our attitudes that build community? And then on the right-hand side, what are those things that destroy community? The things that build community are, are patience and kindness. They're all the fruits of the Spirit. Having fun together, having meals together. The things on the other side, the right-hand side, are or when we gossip, or when we, when we don't forgive, or, you know, whatever it might be, you know, your own list. And then looking down it, and, and, and this is the challenging thing, as a, as a small group community may be going, let's recognize the things that we do well. Let's celebrate them. Let's call them out in each other. You do this really well. Keep doing that. You're such an encourager. Keep doing that. But then also, do we have the guts to go, you know, when you talk like that about that person, I don't think it really fits with who you are because I think you're made to encourage. I think you're made to be a blessing and speak blessing. And even though it's done in private, it still has an effect because we know that, don't we? And as a community, we hold each other to a higher standard because our community is our common unity in Christ. That's why we're together, from diverse backgrounds, all kinds of different histories, all kinds of ups and downs. But it's Christ who unites us. Finally, when we love one another, the other amazing thing that happens is fruit grows. We bear fruit. Love produces the most amazing fruit in our lives. You know, love that originated in heaven and invades earth through us. It isn't a human idea. It's not our invention, this idea of love. It's not just a nice notion. It's not about doing good for the sake of doing good. It's a divine reality. God is love. He's imprinted his image on us, and he asks us to live it out and flesh it out. God so loved the world that he couldn't remain distant. He had to put flesh on and get his hands dirty with loving this grubby, broken world. And that's why we're here. We're part of this incredible story that we're invited into. We get to play a part, a massive part, an important part. There's no person here who hasn't got an important, strategic, necessary part to play. The call of God is on every single person here. 
It's a unique part. We don't compare ourselves with the person next to us. We celebrate what they're doing and what God's called them to, but know that God's got a part for us. So, I think it's a fairly feisty series. It's a bit gnarly, isn't it, this series on loving one another and oh, the one another's. It's not that easy. I, I think, you know, it's going to cause us some, some challenges, some, some opportunities to reflect a bit more deeply on our own life and our own walk, but also enter in, hopefully, to greater freedom, greater faith, and greater fruitfulness as we cooperate with the Spirit of God. Um, this week, I wonder, I wonder what you'll notice that this isn't just a Sunday chat, but actually uh, God's wanting to highlight things. Because the action happens when we're faced with a situation that challenges our self or our sacrifice or our smallness. That's where the action happens. It happens often when we're out of these kind of more uh, kind, fun gatherings. It happens day to day. I wonder this week where you'll notice yourself needing to die to self a little bit. I wonder where you'll notice where you need to just break out of your smallness or demonstrate sacrificial love. And I wonder as well what God has in store for you as you partner with him. and Say, God, here I am, another day. What have you got? How's your kingdom going to come through me today? What have you got for us? Where there might be acts of faith, where you might get to join with God in bringing about freedom and producing fruit. Why don't we pray, and then I'm going to hand back to to Luke and Rach. Father God, you you know that I I speak these words with a massive mirror in front of me. It's not something I'm just preaching, but I'm I'm saying, God, search me and know me. Search my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me. See if there's any way in me that, that hinders my loving and reveal it, that I might more fully love as you are asking me to. And Lord, as we start this, this, this academic year here and we continue in our jobs and our homes and the things that we're doing, uh, that you would, you would, you would help us f- uh, find ourselves uh, aligned with you in this command. Love each other. Love each other.